This episode of the Noble Warrior Podcast is brought to you by C.K. Lynn Mindset Coaching for Entrepreneurs. Whatever mental blocks in your life you want to overcome as an entrepreneur, fears of failure, inability to take the actions you know there is to take, fear of success, three steps forward and four steps back, or even that thought of not feeling deserving after achieving all the success. Coaching is one of the most valuable tools you can have. It's an investment in yourself, and it can yield some of the highest returns. C.K. Lin has the skills that will empower you to achieve the most accelerated results you've dreamed of. To help you get started, C.K. is offering podcast listeners a free strategy session with him, a $1,000 value. Visit TalkWithCK.com and schedule your free session today. So I'm really excited to be talking to Stefan Spencer today. He and I, we met at a, at, a, at a seminar about 10 years ago, 2010, roughly, at the Eben Pagan event. Mm-hmm. And I just witnessing from the outside the transformational story, you were already in the middle of your transformation. And then seeing what's happened after, since then, it's been just tremendous for me to witness. Stefan is a best-selling author of the book, Art of SEO is quite a tomb. Seven hundred pages. Uh, it's actually almost a thousand. A thousand. Excuse me. I under <laughs> undermine your number of pages. The second edition was like seven hundred. Yeah. yeah. Now we're a third. One thousand pages. Um, he has uh, two podcasts. Yeah. Marketing Speak, and then the other one is Optimized Geek. Actually, I rebranded it. It's Get Yourself Optimized. Now. Get Yourself Optimized. So, he is a, a father, husband student of life, just love the whole idea of uh, infinite potential developing himself continuously along with his wife. Yep. So welcome to the show. Thank, Thank you, you Stefan for being here. Yeah, happy to do it. So if you don't mind, rewind back a little bit about your transformation story from the time that we met to where you are right now, because back then you were hardcore SEO guy. <laughs> and then now you are venturing to the world of spirituality. And so walk us through a little bit of the journey that you went on. That would be amazing. Yeah. So I had uh, been studying and, and experimenting with SEO for a long time uh, since the 90s. Started an agency in, in 1995, even before SEO really existed. And... Um, yeah, became an SEO expert over the course of, of time. And in 2009, I was going through a divorce, one that I wasn't planning uh, for, and uh, kind of caught me by surprise. But my wife at the time uh, decided it was uh, time for a change, uh, which ended up being a huge gift for me, huge. <laughs> um, so 2009 was a pretty hard time for me, uh, a pretty dark time. When we met uh, CK, it was, um, as you said, towards the end of the physical transformation, and I had already done a hair transplant and LASIK and um, shaved off my goatee. I changed my like my my body pretty significantly. I lost some weight and did uh, you know, fitness and so forth that helped me look unrecognizable from the guy I looked like a year or even 10 months prior. So that was pretty cool. It started because I went to a Tony Robbins event. I was going through, as I said, a dark time and 
people were noticing that and three different people in the span of just a couple weeks all told me to go to this Tony Robbins event that was coming to the area to Chicago. I was in Wisconsin at the time. Mm -hmm. So I did that. I went to the Tony Robbins event, which was called Unleash the Power Within. I did a fire walk, which uh, means you walk on 2,000 degree hot coals in your bare feet without uh, you know, any protection or anything. And I didn't get burned at all. I didn't get even a blister. So I'm like, wow, if I can do that, I can certainly go and get LASIK, which I had been terrified. Like, oh no, somebody's going to operate on my eyes so I don't have to wear glasses. Yeah, I'd love to, but no, no thanks. Two weeks later, I went and got it. Mm. It's amazing. And now so that, that walking on fire literally changed your belief system about, about confronting your fears? Yeah, it was a huge uh, paradigm shift for me that I could do pretty much anything. And I started making these huge um, decisions. It's really cool. And it never stopped. It, it, it was a permanent shift. Hmm. Yeah, so I, I've done things that I, you, you could have told me 10 years ago, I would have said, oh, that's crazy. There's no way. There's no way. Like, for example, microlighting. Uh, What's that? It's a... A microlight is a hang glider with a motor attached. Mm. I didn't pilot it. I had there was a pilot, but you're so exposed, <laughs> like you're in this quote-unquote seat, <laughs> but you're just totally open to the elements. And then we were flying into the mist above Victoria Falls. Wow! In Zambia, it was beautiful and amazing, and uh, yeah, it was a little terrifying, but. I did it, and I had always thought of myself as being terrified of heights and unable to do anything anywhere near that. So that was a huge uh, breakthrough for me. I also went on, um, on that same trip in a, in a canoe on the Zambezi River, which is full of crocodiles and hippos. Hippos are actually more dangerous than <laughs> crocodiles. A uh, little fun fact there. and. Yeah, did fine, even though I didn't know how to swim and I had been terrified of water. Hmm. Never learned how to swim. So I always avoid... That was the first time I'd ever been in a canoe or a kayak. Yeah, I was on that trip. That was a, a Tony Robbins trip. I, I had joined something called Platinum Partnership. That's right. Which is his high-level thing where you pay a hundred and whatever thousand dollars a year right. to be in it. And I did it for three years almost. It was life-changing, for sure. But it all started with that one $800 ticket mm. for uh, Unleash the Power Within in Chicago. And then the next event was a few months after that. And the next event after that was about eight months later. And by then, I, I was unrecognizable from the version of myself from prior. And uh, that was just my physical transformation. The... The, and, and mental, I guess, when you talk about the fear and stuff. But the spiritual transformation, that came in 2012. Hmm. Well, before you go to the spiritual aspect of it, I'm curious to know, for the people that are listening to this, chances are they're like you and me, right? They loved reading books, listening to podcasts, you know, really wanted to discover the secret of life. They mm -hmm. want to get the most juice out of this precious gift we're being given. Mm -hmm. And... 
And one of the things that I teach is, and you also hear people say this a lot, is whatever you want is outside of your comfort zone. Whatever you want is outside of your comfort zone. And fear is actually a really good indicator that you're at the boundary of your comfort zone and whatever growth lies beyond. Yeah. So uh, I'm curious to know, so beyond walking on coals, how do you continuously pushing that boundary of your comfort zone and outside your comfort zone for the sake of growth? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm a lifelong learner. I think it, it what matters more than anything is to shift your identity and not just try and establish new habits and uh, make behavior changes, which those are important. But if you see yourself as a lifelong learner or you see yourself as somebody who pushes the envelope or somebody who is uh, living outside his or her comfort zone, that's just who you are, then your reticular activating system in your brain is going to find all sorts of opportunities for you to, to manifest that. Just that's the way our brains work. But if you don't see your... Let's say that you wanted to stop smoking. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to stop smoking. Yeah, whatever, right? So maybe you stop, but then you have a relapse or whatever. You start smoking again. You never changed your identity to a non-smoker. That was the problem. Mm. A non-smoker just doesn't smoke. Mm. If you still see yourself as somebody who enjoyed smoking, but now you're, you're stopping... Mm -hmm. You didn't make that identity shift. So uh, part of my identity is somebody who is constantly learning and growing, contributing, and looking for opportunities to go outside of my comfort zone without being prompted or pushed. Because mm -hmm. I believe there are more blessings to be had when you don't get the, the you don't get hit with the brick from the universe to like, okay, you need to make a change now. That's right. Right. Even if you can do it before the feather arrives, you know, there's this analogy like uh, feathers get, you know, they drop on you as like little hints from the universe. You could ignore those and then it turns into a brick mm. and you could ignore that too and then more bricks. Right. Eventually the Mack truck comes and right. runs you over if you keep ignoring the bricks. I don't even want to get to the brick stage. I don't even. I, I want to find uh, opportunities to grow and evolve where I don't even have to wait for the feathers. Hmm. I just, I just tap into the synchronicities of of life and the universe. You know, I, um, I know the vortex is there. You know, are you familiar, are you familiar with Abraham Hicks? Go ahead and tell us. Yeah. So. Um, this might sound pretty out there. It sounded out there for me when I f first heard of Abraham. But uh, and m my wife's been f my wife is also a podcaster. Or Orion uh, has a podcast called Stellar Life, and she was a fan of Abraham Hicks before I had even heard of Abraham. Esther Hicks is the woman who channels this entity or entities called Abraham. There's actually multiple entities. I don't know what you, else you'd call them, like ascended masters, uh, um, people who have passed. I don't know. I don't know what Abraham is exactly, but I do know that the message really resonates. Mm. And I, we just went to an Abraham Hicks uh, event 
on the weekend. It was amazing, and that was not the first time we'd been. We we go usually once a year for the last couple of years. And one of the core concepts from Abraham is the law of attraction. Another one is the vortex, and that everything that you want, desire, um, can imagine is in the vortex waiting for you. But we disconnect ourselves from the vortex. Hmm. We kick up resistance in our path unnecessarily. Hmm. Like we could just get into an abundance mindset and so forth and just attract all this uh, wonder in, into our lives. And yet we we don't do it. We don't believe we're worthy. We don't think it's possible. We believe that you know, side effects should just naturally come, that it, things are hard and therefore they become hard. So, um, yeah, I just want to stay in the vortex as mm -hmm. much as possible. And, and, and one thing that Abraham t teaches is that pets are great at being in the vortex. So if you've got a pet, they're like always in the vortex. They're just so fun and fun-loving and everything, and it helps you stay in the vortex. Mm. We just lost our cat um, not mm. long ago, a few months ago, and it's been really hard. Mm. She's she's a beautiful soul, and and um, yeah, there's some good meditations and, and and words of wisdom about losing your pet actually from uh, Abraham Hicks uh, uh, videos on YouTube. Anyway, so yeah, this has been a journey that is. Uh, continuing and evolving and you never you never get to the destination and I want to keep ahead of the curve and do stuff that I'm not prompted to by those bricks or even feathers so here's one question that I have as a follow-up to that thank you for sharing by the way mm -hmm. is that you talked about identity shifting so let's use the smokers decision example yeah Logically, it's a really good idea. They want to change. Mm -hmm. And they want to be that I'm a, I'm a I'm, you know, my identity is someone who doesn't smoke. Yeah. Right? So how do you go from it's a good idea to I'm someone who doesn't smoke? Because even though it sounds simple to say intellectually, that tiny gap between that stimulus and response I would say it's it's is holds the key to the secret of life, right? So, how would you articulate the shift from someone who thinks this is a good idea to someone who actually believes wholeheartedly from the embodied perspective? It's all in the desire. Desire is the fuel. Uh, I learned this in Kabbalah. I take Kabbalah classes, and uh, I just love this concept that. Desire is the engine for all of your growth and um, transformations and everything. Mm -hmm. So if you're if you're wanting to quit smoking, you need to have enough desire to make it r real, to manifest it. If you just think it's a good idea, you you don't have the desire. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's not going to happen. But Let's say that your daughter, son, comes and pulls on your pant leg one day and says, Hey, why do you keep smoking that? I want you to be a, 
alive when I get married. Mm -hmm. And then you start weeping and you think, I can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's the last cigarette you ever smoked. Mm -hmm. I've never smoked, so I don't know what that's mm -hmm. like, but I, uh, I, I had heard the story of somebody who was affected this way. Mm -hmm. Powerful. You mm -hmm. got the desire then. If it's not for you or your health, maybe it's for, for a loved one and the impact your loss is going to have on them. Mm. How do you then, have you heard the um, idea of equanimity, craving versus aversion? That one of the key lessons that you learn from Vipassana? Tell me more. Cool. So the idea is, you know, let me unwind that a little bit. So one of the core tenets of Buddhism is that all suffering comes from attachment. Yeah. Right? So attachment includes, and it's two components. One is a craving for something. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, I have a positive emotion about something. If I don't have this thing, I'm going to be miserable. Right? That's craving for something. Mm -hmm. The other one is aversion for some um, negative emotions that you don't want. Maybe yeah. it's extremely uncomfortable. Um, to speak in front of public, whatever. Like so, the idea of putting you on stage if you're uncomfortable with that is total misery, mm -hmm. right? So attachment and and uh, aversion. Okay. The idea of suffering is one or the other is no bueno, right? So the whole idea is just letting these emotions pass through you and be equanimous, equanimous about it. Okay. Okay. So the idea, so going back to what you were saying, is having a strong desire for change mm -hmm. that fuels the action, then how do you um, not be so attached to the outcome such that it brings suffering when nonetheless maybe you relapse to back to smoking? I don't know why we keep going back to smoking, but <laughs> even that's the, the thing that we've been talking about. Let's say you relapse and go back to smoking. How do you not make yourself wrong for relapsing? while still keeping a very strong desire to, you know, create this new identity of someone who doesn't smoke. It's interesting. Both of us don't smoke, but none of yeah, yeah. are using. Well, I don't think it's like, I'm, I don't think you're creating that identity. Mm -hmm. You just identify as a non-smoker or you identify as somebody who is focused on growth or on somebody who doesn't eat sugar or eats, you know, I don't know, uh, healthy or whatever. If, if if you go on a binge or whatever and you eat a bunch of sugar, you still think of yourself as somebody who eats healthy and doesn't eat a lot of sugar, then, or, you know, it's like a, a, not a sugar eater, you're going to go back to homeostasis of not eating a lot of sugar. That mm. incident of you eating a big piece of chocolate cake or whatever is just an anomaly mm. yeah okay cool anything else you want to say about identity shifting because I believe that's actually a core tenet of any kind of personal and professional development journey mm -hmm. if you can actually hold on to that really really well you know how Bruce Lee said I'm not afraid of someone who knows 10,000 kicks one time I may be afraid of someone who knows one kick 10,000 times, right? Where I'm paraphrasing a little bit. Right. And I believe this is one of the core skills that if 
uh, if we master it then we can create any kind of reality that we want in our life spiritually physically emotionally you know all these intellectually all these things that we can learn so mm -hmm. is there anything else you want to say about identity shifting mm. I think it's um I got this an, uh, this analogy from again from Kabbalah that if you're chasing after one aspect, whether it's health or career, business, um, relationship, whatever, you're missing the the bigger picture, mm. and all the other stuff will tend to drop away and and kind of fall apart. So. For example, if um, let's say you're really seeking a, a, a relationship, and uh, let's say imagine that here's the here's the model. Imagine white light shining into a prism, and out the other end comes all the different colors. There's purple and or violet and blue, green, whatever, and all these areas of your life, your relationship or lack thereof, your um, career, business, health, etc. They're all different colors. If you chase after the colors, you don't get any of it. You basically, it all slips through your fingers. You might focus on your health and then your relationship falls apart. Mm. Or you focus on your career and your health falls apart. Mm. Whereas if you focus on the white light, mm that's where all the colors come in and you get it all what's the white light in this case don't like white light of the creator mm, remember this is from mm. this is from Kabbalah mm. which is the mystical branch of Judaism mm. which is actually applicable to any religion you can study Kabbalah where like I studied with at the Kabbalah Center you can learn Kabbalah and apply it as a a Jew, a Hindu, a Muslim, a Christian, an atheist. It's like an ancient self-help movement. Mm. It's really, really cool. So imagine you are now changing your focus from chasing after these different colors. The that, different that aspect of you. Yeah, yeah, you're instead chasing after the white light. And not mm. chasing it, but you're connecting with mm. the light. Mm. Like It's all about the light. Every thing I do I'm looking to reveal more light mm. yeah so if I'm gonna speak at a conference I want to reveal more light if I'm going to um, be on a podcast I want to reveal more light if I'm going to interview somebody for my podcasts try and reveal more light mm. so if that is how you operate in the world then the whole identity thing is just in a much more powerful context. You're mm. not just a non-smoker. You're, a, I don't know, a light chaser or whatever you want to call it. The, some, a, a, a child of God. I don't mm. know. Or if you're an atheist, is somebody who's just really connected to the the fabric of the universe and the community and. Um, the environment or whatever whatever matters to you you're you're you you, you get a glimpse of the bigger picture mm. so i think that really helps uh, as far as a identity shift as well mm. i appreciate that i think 
from for me going from someone who is a uh, agnostic not mm-hmm. sure like uncertain whether or not there's a greater power to someone who is spiritual who actually believes and the the journey has been really interesting psychological journey has been I got to fend for myself versus now having a deeper faith that I'm now connected to the greater whole. Mm-hmm. Do you want to? So that journey in itself is, is beautiful. So when you speak about connecting to the light, you're going to be a speaker or being on a podcast, tell us a little bit more, like concretize that for us. Because conceptually I get it, but like, what does that mean for you? Well, here's, here, here's the problem. Uh-huh. And I can relate to where you're at because I was there too. I was agnostic my whole life, mm. almost even atheistic, up until 2012 when I went to India on a Tony Robbins trip, a platinum trip, and I had this experience. So the oneness monks that did this blessing on me called a diksha, they explained afterwards that God is not a belief. God's an experience. The divine is an experience. So you haven't experienced God, and so you're agnostic. Once I experienced God, everything just clicked into place. It was amazing. I got touched uh, by the the oneness monks on the forehead and uh, or the top of my head was, uh, like I said, a diksha. I experienced this sense of um, calm and peace and, and connection with the Creator and all this um, just, um, I don't know, it, it was an awakening experience for me. And then I go outside right afterwards and all the greenery and everything was so vividly technicolor. It just I couldn't make this up. It was more brilliant technicolor than a cartoon. And I I got the experience. I just um I I got what they said about it being an experience and not a belief. So I think you got to have to put yourself in a position to be able to experience. And so for me it meant Things like going to uh, oneness um, events, like the thing I went to. Um, then we went, my wife and I, uh, we... Okay, so when I met my wife, it was at a Tony Robbins event two months after this awakening experience in India. So a month later, we would go to India together to Oneness University, which is where like the headquarters of the oneness um, movement is and uh, had amazing experiences. My wife actually, Ryan had an out-of-body experience at, at this uh, at the temple while being um, zapped with uh, the oneness energy by the, uh, the monks with the dikshas. So you put yourself in proximity of these sorts of um, non-ordinary experiences and eventually you will experience God Mm. the divine oneness whatever you want to call what is beyond the tangible so what we think is kind of like the real reality which is only a this tiny sliver of what is actually real 
Mm. Right. So that's another thing I learned from Kabbalah is that there's the one percent reality, which is got to pay my bills. Um, the you know you knock on wood and that's actually wood and solid and everything. That's the one percent. Mm. The ninety nine percent, which is everything else that we can't possibly imagine, let alone experience in our human form, is the rest of reality. And as long as you go through your day knowing that there's something so much bigger Mm. that you can at least imagine that there is that, that's going to be, it's going to just change how you show up in the world. It's like having awareness of your awareness. Mm -hmm. So you can be agnostic and put yourself in proximity of non-ordinary experiences and eventually you will tune in. Mm. And you know the the yeah, I think everything just kind of flows from that. Mm. Can you say a little bit more about um because you had a spiritual experience, right? You had a mystical spiritual yeah. experience. Uh, but now uh, I have them all the time. Oh, interesting. So say more about that. Is it more of a, like an acclimation process? Because now you have sort of experienced that, benchmarked yourself that way, and then I can kind of go back to you, walk yourself back to that state again? Well, it's, uh, okay. So the monks teach that there's not just an awakening state, but there is uh, an awakening that's a permanent awakening Mm. so you can go into an awakened state like I I did when I was touched the first time in India but that doesn't stick Mm -hmm. you drop back down to a lower vibration you're not you're not awakened but when you get the permanent shift in your brain what they call awakening then it doesn't revert back Mm, and you can still have awakened states that take you to even higher levels of awakening. Like mm. this is a continuum. This is an mm-hmm. ongoing evolution up. But you don't drop back down to non-awakened mm. after having that awakening. So um, I have lots of spiritual experiences that happen that are non-ordinary that uh, sound fantastical but they're just part of my my regular experience now like for example um, I went to um, an event run by uh, Donnie Epstein mm-hmm. and he's amazing um, he'd be great to have on your show no oh, great uh, yeah he's been on my show he's uh, he, he's an energy worker a healer um, but also the founder of network chiropractic and um, just uh, epi energetics. He's he's phenomenal, and um, he's a, he's a wizard. <laughs> it really is. So he he <clears throat> does this entrainment, is what it's called, on you to open up your energy centers. After getting an entrainment by him, I'm laying on the floor, blissed out, and I realize I could just get this kind of download that I can give a diksha, which I had just experienced that powerful diksha um, a few months earlier, but I realized that I could do this remotely. I, I had learned in India to give dikshas as well as to receive. So I was a diksha giver. I could 
now give them remotely without mm. being in the physical presence of somebody. And so at least that's what I was uh, receiving mm. during this blissed out state when I was on the laying on the floor after the entrainment. So I start dikshaing, you know, blessing all these different people, mm. 50 different people. I don't know how long I was laying on the floor for, but one of them was somebody I hadn't thought of for 15 years, a guy that had uh, sued me for wrongful dismissal. He was an employee. He was talking uh, badly about me to other staff or kind of gossiping about me. And I was livid about it and I was very young at the time and not uh, the most mature boss so I made a, an example of him walked him off the property and you know he had to pack his stuff into a little box and everything mm. so he filed wrongful dismissal which was a frivolous lawsuit because um, Wisconsin was a work at will state but anyways I uh, eventually paid him off to settle the lawsuit rather than just fight it all the way to the point where I would win because I would win mm -hmm. and I'd, I'd spend more money mm -hmm. and lose a lot of time. So mm -hmm. this happened in the 90s. He is gone from my life for 15 years. I don't even think of him. I never hear his name. Never run into him even though we lived in the same city in Madison, Wisconsin for a number of years. He's just gone. And I pray for him while laying on the floor that day. Mm. And guess who calls me four days later mm. on my cell phone? No. To apologize. Wow. Yeah. We are all connected. Mm. And this doesn't phase me at all. It just makes total sense. Mm. And as a former skeptic and um, almost atheist, mm -hmm. I would say, yeah, that's you know coincidence or whatever. But I believe that skepticism and cynicism are two sides of the same coin. Mm. If you're a skeptic, you're just one step away from being a cynic and mm. who wants that? Mm. You cut yourself off from everything that is awesome. In mm. the true sense of the word awesome, the word is so overused these days. But look at the true definition of awesome. Anyway, so we had a beautiful conversation 45 minutes or so, um, I told him I was nothing for me to forgive because I got all these great lessons from this process about being, you know, using progressive discipline with staff and you know, I'm a better boss now. I also read contracts very well now, care very carefully and so forth. I learned a lot from this process. It's nothing to forgive. It was a gift for me. And we met up a couple of months later. Mm. I gave him some Tony Robbins DVDs because uh, he was having some relationship issues. And this was all about uh, improving your relationship, the DVD set. And then I randomly see him a few months later at PetSmart. <laughs> so all those years go by. I never even hear his name. And then I just randomly see him. Mm. Uh, at a PetSmart while I was um, going shopping with one of my daughters. Mm. That's the way the world works. That's the way the universe works. Mm. You just have to t tune in. It's like uh, you are a receiver and you got to tune into the right radio station and it's all there for you. Mm. 
So what I hear in everything that you said so far is, well, one, when you tap in to this source, spirituality, you're more likely to have serendipitous moments and also uh, moments of, um, to the point of the, mir the miraculous. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Would you say that's cool? So how do you then... And great clarity, too. Great clarity. Say more about that. Yeah. So you... you you don't worry so much about the fact that you know we're mortal and that we're going to die. You know, that's a big fear of people. I was terrified of dying mm. uh, before this spiritual um, set of experiences, and now it's I, I, the contrast is there, so that we can benefit from it and 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 appreciate all the gifts without the contrast with the only sunny days you can't appreciate it like if you get some storms and some rain if there's no death then how do you appreciate life how do you treat it like it's a precious gift that every day matters so that's been it's brought me great perspective Mm. They say that, uh, so one quote come, came to mind, says the youth is wasted on the young, <laughs> Yeah. right? Because they don't know what's coming. So with this awareness of death, momentum mori, then we can truly appreciate every day, every moment, you know, such as the moment that we have right now. So thank yeah. you for being here. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. You know, it's funny that... Um, mentioned memento mori and and uh some people think that's very morbid to carry a coin in your pocket that has that and a picture of a skull or something to remind you that you're mortal and you will die um, i don't have one but now i don't see it as weird because it gives you perspective to count every day as a precious gift and to make it make it really count mm -hmm and not be unintentional mm -hmm. with your time and your attention. I was at a Genius Network event a couple of months ago uh, with my wife, and um, the way they started, th this is Joe Polish's mm -hmm. um, group, the way they, that Joe started that meeting was to play, uh, a, not a meditation, but like a lesson on death. That was about 10 minutes long, from S Sam Harris. Mm. Do you know Sam Harris? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he's got this app called the Waking Up app. Mm -hmm. Do you have that? I don't. You should check that out. It's really cool. Mm -hmm. So in the app are a bunch of meditations, but they're also a bunch of lessons. Mm -hmm. which are, he's just riffing about different things like gratitude and death and mindfulness. and all. Yeah, it's really, really good. So he, Joe played the little 10-minute segment on death from the lessons to start this two-day event. <laughs> mm. Wow, what a different energy everybody had and this, the whole event had for the rest of those two days because he played that. It's not like morbid or whatever, it, because we are all going to die, but mm -hmm. to have some awareness about it and, and the preciousness of life changes the whole conversation. Mm. It's really cool. Mm. Because uh, the word morbid to me implies that, hey, we're going to die in nihilism, what's the point? But to me, 
Memento Mori has an empowering, almost optimistic uh, uh, connotation to it because precisely because my life is limited, finite, mm -hmm. then it actually gets me to deepen this moment right here and now mm -hmm. versus wasting it just because it's just going to be another day. That's the way I interpret, you know, the word morbid versus, you know, the connotation of it. So I'm curious, how, how do you see uh, the end of your life? Is it truly the end or is it just uh, a transformation to another chapter? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, so I'm trained as a scientist. Yeah. So in my mind, I thought to the equation, energy can be, can't be created or destroyed. Mm -hmm. So when I first started thinking about it, it's like, okay, spirituality doesn't make sense, this and that. But I have since then many um, spiritual awakenings, so to speak, because I uh, uh, found my way, well, I met the Dalai Lama in mm -hmm. a very close proximity, and his presence really catalyzed my spiritual journey. Then I had my first cup of ayahuasca soon after that, and that really brought me, sim similar to your the Adiche experience, I had a mystical experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The way I kind of think about it um, is um, this is heaven on earth, like literally, and mm -hmm. I, I uh, paid God significant amount of spiritual currency to come back and experience this, but when this lifetime is over, then I go back to source again. That's mm -hmm. my mental model right now. With so would you still identify as agnostic then? Oh, no, no, no. I when I started okay. as a scientist, I Got wasn't it. sure. Then I had spiritual experiences since then. Started right. from meditation to ayahuasca to, you know, having conversations with other wisdom teachers. Got it. Then okay. I have now deepened and more and more clear clarity of what this is all mean. Right. Got it. So now I have more relative truth rather than the absolute truth, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. 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 Who knows what the capital T truth is, right? We right. just can't. Uh, that's part of the 99% we can't get access to. So actually, on that note, here's one question I wanted to ask you. I, I, how do you... And then on the surface level, the question is, how do you make decisions? Mm -hmm. But under, underlying that question is, how do you find your truth? So how would you answer that question? You know, because you have a lot of experiences. You seek out wisdom teachers. You talk to a lot of different people. So you have a lot of information source. How do you know, all right, this is true for me? Yeah, I, I try to have a, a, a bigger picture um, in mind before I make my decision but you know the old adage that leaders make up their mind quickly and they change their mind slowly so I'm not one to um, spend a lot of time mulling over a decision either it makes sense or it doesn't or it resonates with me uh, or it doesn't but I, I do look for some inspiration or some connection to source to the creator to get guidance um, because I 
get so much of these serendipities and, ser and synchronicities and stuff. And I, I, I know if I'm on the path, um, I, it's almost like you could channel uh, the source, the creator source, through uh, just your words and, and deeds, if you chose to do so. If you if you developed that um, ability, we all I believe all have that ability in us, mm -hmm. some more than others. I mean, for example, Esther Hicks mm -hmm. <laughs> has a, a very uh, non-normal uh, ability to channel. So if you're um, connecting to source and you're kind of channeling, then you can have um, uh, these insights that you're not really sure if it's you or it's the creator because it's not like the creator is going to talk to you in a deep voice, <laughs> right? Or your voice is going to change when you're kind of speaking the wisdom of the creator or something through you. But if you ask yourself, actually ask the voice or the whoever you think is behind that wisdom, is that you or is that me? You get an answer. Wait, wait, back up. So if you, let's say you get some insight or some inspiration, mm -hmm. like, I really should contact this person and have this person on my show, on my podcast, even though it's not in the normal sphere of the kinds of guests that I have. I just feel this is important. I don't know why. Okay. So you could say, all right, is this me or is this the creator guiding me? I see. So you literally ask yourself that question. Is this me or is this you? Mm and then wait for the answer. Mm. And that'll be right. So sometimes it'll be your voice that says, this is totally a great opportunity, go for it. Mm. And it's just you. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's, it's the creator. Mm. Mm. And if it's the creator and you ask the question, is this you or is this me? Then you'll for sure get the answer, not just, you know, like I, you might get confused mm. with the first uh, insight where it's coming from but mm. not if you ask and then wait and listen is this me or is this you mm. thank you for that yeah I, I I have to give credit where credit's due on that, on that. I, I learned that from an Akashic Records reading do you mm. know anything about Akashic Records I know of it I don't know much beyond the name okay so um Anne is the lady who does these readings. She's great, by the way. Um, uh, Anne Marie Pizarro and uh, BodyEnergyConnection.com. Uh, I don't get any <laughs> affiliate commissions or whatever. Um, uh, I got some very powerful readings uh, from her, and so did um, my wife, Orion. She actually got a reading first, and it was there was stuff in there that you, she couldn't have possibly known that was very helpful, insightful, powerful. And then she got a second reading from the same lady. And then I'm like, okay, I got to get a reading too. So the first reading, uh, I've only gotten one so far, but that was one insight that I got from that first reading. Mm. 
is to ask. I want to develop my ability to channel, right, and to to have psychic abilities, have um, a, a more direct connection, mm-hmm. and I I can do it. Mm. Turns out <laughs> that's uh, something that I I do have access to. So you think, okay, well, this Akashic Record stuff, that sounds like bunk or whatever. If that's you, the listener, thinking that, I'm with you because I was there too. I just didn't... um, I was a scientist. I was a skeptic. I was agnostic. And then all those experiences happened. And now... The way that I operate in life is by this concept of the willing suspension of disbelief. Mm-hmm. Why introduce skepticism when you don't even have enough information yet? Mm-hmm. Why introduce resistance in your path when you don't have to? Mm-hmm. Just go into it open-minded, with the willing suspension of disbelief, and see where it leads. Mm-hmm. Try an Akashic Records reading. Try uh, uh, the the entrainments from um, Donnie Epstein or one of his practitioners. You know, go to one of his events like the Transformational Gate. Go to a Tony Robbins event. Walk on fire. You know, just try it. Mm-hmm. Thanks for that. Uh, I'm the same way because in my mind, what's the worst that could happen? Like, what's the probabilistic outcome, right? What's the possible payoff? What's the possible cost? What's the best that could happen? What's the worst that could happen? And then if net-net positive, worst thing that could happen, maybe you pay some money, maybe you spend some time, maybe you have some energy, but nonetheless, you have a story to tell, right? So that's the worst that could happen. If it's an, if, if the possibility of, you know, if, if it's, if if it's possibly game over, then that's a whole other story, right? But but if, if but if that's not the case, it's worth trying things out at least one time. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to be one of these crusty old curmudgeons that's like, get off my lawn, <laughs> <laughs> right? Nobody wants that. But you turn into that if you keep making these poor choices of going uh, you know, through a closed-minded mindset. Every opportunity, every gift that's presented to you, you turn, you snub your nose to it. Mm-hmm. So, a couple more questions, mm-hmm. and then we'll complete. Um, first question would be, how are we doing? Good? Okay. Um, so, you talked about cultivating your ability to channel mm-hmm. source. So, based on everything that you've tried so far, I know that you're a great student of life. You probably try a lot of different things, different, different venues. What would be one or two or three things that's really moved the needle for you, for you to feel that, hey, I'm actually um, getting better? Or getting better at channeling? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <coughs> so Chan- no, As in being a channel for source. Right. right? That's, yeah. that's your current intention right now, yeah? Yeah, one of them. Mm-hmm. I've got plenty of them. I'm I've sure. got lots of desires. I'm sure, I'm sure. Uh, so one thing I do that helps put me in the proximity of this... Um, ability is to coach and not just consult. So I'm an SEO consultant. I help companies, big brands. In fact, like I've worked with Chanel and Zappos and Sony and 
CNBC and so forth, help them with their Google rankings. So that's my expertise. But I also now, over the last several years, have developed a coaching practice. So I can work with clients in a coaching capacity that includes uh, general business advice and also personal uh, development advice. And that gives me an opportunity to channel or to kind of step aside and give something that is profound and powerful. And I don't know how I got that inspiration, but it was massively life-changing. And so I've had some coaching clients have those kinds of experiences working with me. Mm. If I had said, now coaching isn't going to get me as much revenue, which it doesn't, that's fine, but uh, it's not about the money. You know, money is just energy, mm. and there are lots of other ways to get energy besides money. And if you see that energy, like if money is energy, and, and let's say that you are, um, well, this is a really important lesson that I, I learned from Kabbalah's you don't want to disrespect the energy of money. You, you notice people sometimes will just throw money away, like mm-hmm. literally, like they treat pennies as a, as trash. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't want those pennies here. They'll stick them in this, uh, um, like the the penny jar thing at the gas station. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, no, I don't want a penny. I don't want that. You disrespect the energy. Mm. It's just the size of the vessel is small. Mm we are working to increase the size of our vessel so we can take in more light from the creator. Mm. Well, the amount of energy in a penny is small, but the quality of the energy is the same quality that's in a million dollars or in a billion dollars. So don't step over that penny next time you see it. Pick it up off the ground or don't throw the penny in the, in the, the jar, but appreciate the value of the energy inside it. It's contained within it. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm always looking for opportunities to um, reveal light, add value, and make a difference. And uh, by doing the coaching, it gives me lots of opportunity to, to tap in and not just focus on, all right, here's what we need to do to uh, optimize your um, robots.txt file or something like that. Mm-hmm. We're, we're actually working on something that is going to impact generations to come. Mm. Mm. So this coaching is one venue. Is there another? Uh, I'm working on creating my own events. I do have the podcast, Mm -hmm. uh, Get Yourself Optimized, which I used to call The Optimized Geek, as uh, you had mentioned. So I rebranded that so it wouldn't just identify with geeks. Mm-hmm. And identify with anybody who wants to optimize themselves or, or evolve to the next level. So that's another way that I um, I feel like I can um, channel more, and also even having people who are channels on mm. the podcast. I just had Paul Selig on. Oh wow, he's really cool. Have you heard of him? Um, yeah, he's uh, Aubrey Marcus is a big fan of his, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, he's got a new book coming out. Um, anyway, so he actually channeled on the episode, which was really no kidding, cool wow. at, the, at the end of it. 
Yeah, so cool. Did you ask him some cool questions? You were... I did ask him personal questions, sure, and and uh, things that could benefit me, but also the the, the listeners too. Mm. I feel like the the podcast is such a great opportunity to get FaceTimes, uh, quote unquote, with people who uh, are like leaders in these different areas that um, you can ask them anything. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really amazing. It's uh, uh, such a great opportunity. So, anyways, I yeah, I use the podcast as a way to access um, to kind of a direct connection to to the creator. I'm uh, oftentimes coaching friends and family and so forth, and helping them. But, but from a standpoint of like, how can I uh, get out of the way and and let uh, a message that's bigger than myself get through to them? Mm. I have a suggestion. Yeah, something sure. that I'm experimenting right now personally <clears throat> is uh, Facebook Lives. Okay. Yeah, literally just whatever comes through me, interacting with people, and it's been tremendous um, growth journey as well as an opportunity to make an impact with people. So yeah, I would recommend great, that. Great, great suggestion. I actually did a uh, an Ask Me Anything Facebook Live uh, last month. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Yeah, went for an hour. Beautiful. Uh, last question. Uh, you talked about many peer groups that you put yourself in. You make significant investment. The Platinum Group, the Genius Network. I'm sure you're in many, many other yes, right, society. Yes, probably five right now. Right, right. Yeah. So tell us the importance of, because you know, they require significant investment of time, money, energy. Yeah. Right? So tell us why you do it that way and what's the benefit of putting yourself in you know, the proximity of certain caliber of peer groups. Right. Well, you know the, exp- the, the adage that you are the five people you hang out with the most, and I believe that to be true, at least kind of uh, generally. So I want to put myself in proximity of people who I want to become more like. There's a lot of great people out there that find high-level groups to be a part of, uh, so I'm big into biohacking. What's a group that Dave Asprey is in? You know, so I've had Dave Asprey on, on my show. He's the creator of, of Bulletproof, as I'm sure you know. Um, amazing guy. I know he's in metal. I'm in metal. I know he's in Genius Network. I'm in Genius Network. And um, if I can be in proximity with him, then potentially amazing things could happen. I, I went through this whole thing of doing stem cell therapy my wife did it two of my kids did it in large part because of Dave Asprey you know first I I had him on the show and we talked about stem cell therapy I went to his uh, um, conference the bulletproof biohacking conference which he let me in for free which was very generous of him uh, my wife and I, and we loved it. It was an amazing conference. We got to hear about stem cell therapy, which we had r- really not very much information about before. And uh, got to meet Dr. Harry Adelson, great stem cell doc. And then we saw him again the following year. We went back to, to the conference again, and he keynoted that time. So, all right, we need, we need to go and get some stem cell therapy from this guy. Uh, and he also was on my show and on Orion's. So that was 
incredible. And you not only get your stem cells harvested and re-injected in different parts of your body to um, deal with chronic uh, pain and, and issues, uh, like muscular skeletal uh, pain and so forth, which I didn't really have any like that, but I wanted to do it for maintenance. I wanted to like kind of rejuvenate. Right, preventive. Preventative, yeah, yeah. exactly. And uh, also you, you get your stem cells harvested and then you can get them banked mm -hmm. for a rainy day. Let's say 40 years from now, you wanna use stem cells from when you were 40 years younger, that's much better Mm -hmm. than using stem cells from current time. In fact, your stem cells aren't as functional. Once you get into your mid to late 70s, it's 50-50 whether you're even going to be able to use your stem cells mm. uh, at that point. So get them harvested while you're, you're still young. Mm. Um, what's the expression, best uh, time to plant a tree is 20 years ago, second best time is today, right? Mm. So go get your stem cells harvested and then get them banked so that you can use them in a rainy day. You have a time machine now. The only problem is don't get them banked in the U.S. because the FDA mm. has considered your own stem cells to be a drug. Interesting. And so they regulate your stem cells as a drug and they don't let you use them. In fact, they just sent a destruction order to the stem cell bank that we're using, US Stem Cell out of Florida, demanding that they destroy the stem cells and they got a court order for this. Wow. So my stem cells, my wife's and two of my kids are gonna be destroyed and so we're fighting that with uh, lawyers and there are about 70 of us that are teaming up uh, patients. There are people who have had stem cells banked there that have uh, teamed up and uh, hired a law firm to fight this. Fight, wow. fight the government, fight the FDA. It's ridiculous. So if you get your stem cells banked, do it overseas, not gotcha. in the U.S. Going back to the peer group question. So when you make, there's someone listening to this right now, they may be thinking, you know, the Asprey's group or Genius Network or Platinum, whatever it may be, right? My group, your group, you know, all kinds of different groups out there, tribes. Yeah. How would you advise them to make the decision? Because they do have finite resources, time, energy, money, right? Mm -hmm. And how do they, you know, make the appropriate, the best, the wisest um, decision? Is, do you have any framework that you can advise them on? Well, uh, there was a lot of trial and error and a lot of expense involved in my process. Mm -hmm. And I spent probably um, upwards of a million dollars over the last 10 years. <clears throat> so I doubt that many listeners are going to want to do that. <laughs> but what they could do for free is just listen to Get Yourself Optimized. There are several hundred now <laughs> episodes for them to listen to. And the ones that resonate the most for them are the, probably going to give them a, a, a sense of which masterminds or groups to mm. become a part of. Mm. So for example, if uh, somebody really resonated with the Paul Selig uh, interview and they want to learn more and, and study more and you know there's uh, Abraham Hicks mm -hmm. uh, uh, conferences essentially it's like a, uh, a cruise you could go on for a week with uh, uh, Esther Hicks and Abraham and a bunch of people and have all this amazing wisdom 
and opportunities to ask questions of Abraham and so forth. So that's a full immersion sort of experience. Mm. If you really resonated with the uh, Chris Keene episode on my podcast where he's the CTO of 40 Years of Zen, mm. which is one of Dave Asprey's companies, you go for a week and get full immersion into neurofeedback and uh, it's super powerful. I had memories that were unlocked I hadn't had for 40 years. Mm. 40 years of not having these memories and then I go to this uh, uh, 40 years of Zen event and boom, they're all there. Mm. It's pretty amazing. And and it's, uh, yeah, it's life uh, changing. If, if that resonated with you, then it's not a mastermind per se. It's a week-long immersion into this very advanced neurofeedback there's a community around it. Mm. They do have these monthly check-in calls and um, you can jump on Zoom and there's a community there and you get to ask questions of Dr. Drew and so forth. And there's no charge for that. That's just anybody who's gone through the 40 years of Zen process. But there's definitely uh, transformation in that. So a quick question about the remembering of the old memory, 40 yeah. years. What did it what what did it do for you? Like, why is that important for you? If you don't why is it important? That? Because yeah. I don't have an overall like pleasant view of my childhood. Uh. Many of us have traumas from our childhood, right? And it was like, oh yeah, not the most awesome childhood or whatever. If you have an amazing childhood, you're very blessed. Mm. Many of us do not, mm. and. Um, yeah, I, I want to have more memories from my childhood, not mm. just unpleasant ones. Gotcha. Thanks so that was really cool. That was really cool. That. And uh, a lot of us will block memories because that's just a coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. But you block all the good stuff, too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I felt like I had uh, planted some flowers or just kind of reopened some uh, neural pathways that, mm -hmm. that had... Um, kind of cemented over. So those were two. Anything yep. else? Um, well, for me, I've done a number of different masterminds. Um, uh, we mentioned Genius Network, but I've also done, um, or I'm, I'm just now starting Strategic Coach. I've gone to a couple of meetups there, but the actual main curriculum I haven't started yet, that's Dan Sullivan. Uh, he's amazing. Uh, I will have him on the podcast, but I haven't, ha haven't had him on yet. Um, I actually have episodes on the show where we talked about masterminds and mm. what are the best masterminds and uh, being a connoisseur of fine masterminds and then having a guest who's big into that too. That was a fun riffing session. I'm thinking, um, so the CEO of War Room, I had him on and we talked about um, a whole bunch of different masterminds that he's in, that I'm in, so that was a fun one. Um, uh, what else? There's just so many different groups that you could be a part of. I've heard a good, uh, a, a bunch too that I wanted to check out. Like I've heard good things about the Brotherhood. Uh, I've heard good things about, um, uh, the Wake Up Warrior program. Mm. That one's for, for, for men only. So is the Brotherhood. Um, good things about YPO and mm. EO and so forth. 
What do you What do you um, evaluate when, you, like, when you go from group to group? Yeah, um, I I look to add value and to for synchronicity to happen for the you know one plus one sort of th equals three equation mm -hmm. to happen, and if there's alignment in values and, and mission. So alignment on value, mission, serendipity. Mm -hmm. Some magical moments. Anything? You do you look at business, like revenue opportunities, or anything like that? Just or friendship op opportunities, or what else do you look at? Yeah, if I can meet uh, cool people through it, if um, I can generate revenue from it. Yeah, so Genius Network, for example, has uh, generated um, enough revenue that it pays for itself just mm. from direct client revenue. That's great. Yeah. Beautiful. Anything else you th uh, I should ask that I didn't ask? I, think I don't we think so. Yeah, we went through a lot of different areas. Thank you so much. You're uh, welcome. So if people who are inspired by your story, by your journey, by your point of view, where should they go to? Other than listening to your podcast. Yeah. So I have two shows, Get Yourself Optimized. So that's getyourselfoptimized.com and then Marketing Speak. And that's marketingspeak.com. I also have a whole bunch of resources on stephanspencer.com. Mm. A lot of videos, a lot of um, archived webinars, and have some PDF downloads, a bunch of stuff there. Lots, lot, lots of blog posts. Love it. Thank you so much for shining your light, Stefan. Um, the show content is so inspiring. I know that you put so much heart and soul into these shows. And you can really tell just the, the quality of the questions that you ask and the quality of the answers that you receive. It's just tremendous. So Thank guys, you. go listen to the show. 